Poland. Uh, things that come to mind. Not a whole lot. No. Uh, Polish sausages? No, I don't know anything about that country. <laughs> Pierogies. Is that it? We hope it's not. That's what we're going to try to show you. Welcome to Polcast, Pole and all that jazz. Hello, I'm Małgorzata Bonikowska. And I'm Tomek Kniat. Welcome to Polcast. In this episode, we will tell you about Poland's export specialties, vodka, beer and the European bison. And why a young successful British singer sings about Polish history and everybody loves it. Born in Nottingham, England, to a Polish mother and a Scottish father, Katie Carr is a highly respected British artist whose music gets rave reviews in mainstream British media. A singer with a haunting crystal voice, musician, multi-instrumentalist, composer, songwriter and aviator, she has released five albums, the last one called Polonia, which is the Latin name for Poland. Her third album, Coquette, was called Simply a Masterpiece, and her music has brought her numerous awards. Katie Carr plays ukulele, banjolel, and a vintage electric Wurlitzer piano. In fact, all about this unique artist is vintage. Her looks, attire, and her passion. Music inspired by history mostly the history of Poland and its heroic fighters, also women, during World War II. Her knowledge of history is truly impressive, and her music celebrates the heroes and events often unknown outside Poland, reaching audiences all over the world. England, am I leaving you? Am I leaving you behind? Sweet England, am I leaving you? Am I leaving you behind? And we'll build an army of love And we'll build an army of love Sweet Bologna, you are in my arms Sweet Bologna, you are in my heart And I'll return to you British singer, highly regarded by mainstream media, although what you do is what nobody else does, which is your music is about Polish history. Well, it really started five years ago when I wrote a song um, for my third album, Coquette. It was called Commander's Car, and it told the amazing and daring escape from Auschwitz concentration camp by a Polish 
Boy Scout called Kazimierz Piochowski. He was at the time just 20 years old. In 1939, the Germans invaded Poland. Kazimierz was, a, was an Eagle Scout at the time. So he escaped, but then he was caught by the Gestapo a few days later and then sent to a series of, I think it was about nine German prisons until he was transported on the second transport to Auschwitz on the 20th of June, 1940. And with three political prisoners, they managed to procure the use of the commander's car because one of the prisoners was the mechanic of this car. Um, SS uniforms, just dress themselves in SS uniforms, get in the car and drive away. And when I found out that he was alive, I had to go to Poland to give him my song. And from there, my adventure and finding out about my Polish roots and Polish history started. And it's been a wonderful, wonderful journey of discovery. of your songs has been inspired by a true story of World War II. What are the real stories behind them? I love stories about people either losing uh, their loved ones or not being able to return to their loved ones because of the crisis of war. Mawa Little Flower was an incredible story. It was at, I actually found a book on the street and it was called In My Hand by a lady called In Irena Gutopdijk. And she was uh, 17 years old when the Second World War began and became a slave of Germans when they invaded Poland. Managed to save 12 of her friends from slaughter in the ghetto by hiding them in the basement of an SS man's house. She is honoured in Yad Vashem. She had to look after this house every day and the Jewish ladies would help her clean the house. But one day the SS man came back and found the Jewish ladies in the house and he threatened to murder them all. The only way Irena could stop him from doing this was to become his concubine. She managed to save her friends and hide them in a porcelain cart and take them to the woods. After the war, she was reunited with them. And when they heard that she had to be a concubine, they said that they would have rather be dead than have her do that. But she said it was a small price to pay to save her friends. And my song, My Little Flower, is inspired by the day before her wedding day to one of the Polish Home Army officers, Janek Riddler. He died in action on her wedding day. Five months prior to um, the war beginning, the Polish cipher bureau gave the blueprints of what would then become the biggest, the secret intelligence uh, information. For instance, deciphering the Enigma machine ciphers. In 1938, Marianne Rajewski, a Polish mathematician and cryptologist, designed a machine called Bomba, which was the first machine to decipher Enigma machine ciphers. Bomba, Bomba. 
What is so fascinating about Polish history for you personally? The music that I made, I really think, represents a Poland that we should remember, which was the Poland, I guess, pre-1795. Because in 1795, Poland was erased off the map of Europe. It was partitioned three ways until 1918. And so before 1795, it was a very tolerant place to live. You know, many people came to be to seek refuge in Poland. In fact, the jury also 50,000 Scottish people were saved. So this was a very, very tolerant and forward-thinking country. It was the second country in the world to have a constitution. So, yeah, I was think it's um, an incredibly amazing example of tolerance. Being a British person um, and being born in Great Britain, what's so fascinating about this history is that really it isn't known at all in Western history books. And yet Poland was Britain's only ally for the first two years of the war. And at the end of the war, it was the it was the third largest military allied coalition force after USA and UK. So I've just found out that an African jazz drummer from Nigeria was part of the Polish resistance movement. <laughs> so lots of very interesting people were fighting for the freedom. Why do you think your music resonates so well with different audiences, not just Poles? What's fascinating about creating music inspired by the post-Second World War experience is that with the topics, they're often connected with exile or loss of country or loss of passport or refugee status. Basically, anybody in the, whole, in the world who has experienced even loss of love can understand the feeling of loss. And so then my, my songs, although inspired by Poland, but actually are for the world. And I've had some incredible responses from people in Mexico, Costa Rica, Afghanistan. I've had a young girl from Syria write to me on Facebook to say that she was really inspired by my song, My Little Flower, which really, really moved me. It's, she said that um, the song she was singing and it helped her get through the day, that day in the war. And that meant so much to me because I realized that um, music has the power to communicate over war lines. You go to Poland quite a lot now, right? I am completely in love with Poland and the idea of being with Polish people really excites me because I haven't had a lot of contact with Poland in my lifetime and I would hope that by sharing the wonderful stories from such a brave nation that we can experience harmony and unity and fighting for honour and, and sacrificing yourself for the good of others is a worthwhile thing and I think that's what Polish history is really resonates a lot with people. There's another aspect to Katie Carr's music, education. The 2012 Kazik and the Commander's Car documentary about Katie Carr's meeting with Kazik Piechowski and his memories inspired a project which encouraged over 60,000 British scouts to make a connection with Polish scout history. The Hard Poland Building Bridges project reached over 2,000 British school children. Katie Carr traveled to retirement homes across the UK 
to meet the residents and listen to tales of the wartime experiences and how music played a role in their lives. For more on Katie Carr video clips, more music, photos, a longer interview, and her recent tour in Poland, visit our website, mypolcast.com. want to buy one product and sell it as two or more seems like a recipe for making money. This way of thinking led to the invention of the process used to make gasoline by Polish pharmacist and pioneer Ignacy Łukasiewicz. A pharmacist inventing gasoline? Yes, indeed. Back in 1852, pharmacies were the only places equipped with special laboratories and chemical equipment. What's more, their staff always had wide and comprehensive chemical knowledge. That's why, in the fall of 1852, two pharmacists, Łukasiewicz and Jan Zech, began research on crude oil in their Lwów pharmacy. They intended to obtain some light kerosene and to build a kerosene lamp. They managed to do that in the end of 1852, and thus became the first people in the world to obtain safe-to-use lighting kerosene. Łukasiewicz's creativity didn't stop there. He continued his research into oil use. Soon in Ulaszowice, near Jasło, in Poland, Łukasiewicz opened the world's first industrial oil refinery. Because crude oil is made up of a mixture of hydrocarbons, refineries break them down into many different refined products, such as gasoline, diesel fuel, heating oil, jet fuel, residual fuel oil, and many other valuable substances that have hundreds of applications. Łukasiewicz was the first person in the world to distill crude oil, exploiting it for lighting and to create a brand new oil industry. 1853 was a breakthrough year in the research efforts of Łukasiewicz. While working with Jan Zech on oil distillation, not only did he obtain lighting kerosene, but together with Lwów smith Adam Bratkowski, constructed the first oil lamp. On July 31st of the same year, they accomplished the unthinkable. A Lvov hospital operating room was lit with their kerosene lamps. This was generally recognized as the birth of oil industry. A year later in Gorlice, world's first street oil lamp was lit. The same year marks the opening of his first oil mine in Bubrka, also the first one in the world. Oh, interestingly, it's still open today as the longest operating facility of its kind in the world. The place is also home to the Museum of Oil and Gas Industry. Łukasiewicz made huge money and generously gave back to the community as a highly respected philanthropist. He provided funds for road and bridge construction, built hospitals and schools, as well as organized financial help for the poor. She heard my co-host Tomek and his wife speak Polish and addressed them in this language. Nothing unusual in the multicultural Toronto, except that Nina looks Middle Eastern and she is Persian. I mean, half of her is Persian 
but the other half is Polish. Nina is 19, a student at Ryerson University in Toronto. I talked to her about her mixed identity and how she and her older sister grew up in the family where their mother comes from Poland and their dad from Iran. Tell me a little bit about your parents. They're both extremely different peoples. My mom came to Canada when she was probably 20. She found herself struggling to learn English. She was able to slowly, slowly build her English um, as time went on, where she eventually found herself as a manager um, in the CN Tower um, for all the food restaurants inside, inside there. Um, at that point, that's where she met my father. My father's side, again, um, he left his country again at a young age, just thought he'd get up and leave, start his own life. My dad decided to create his own business in the downtown Toronto area, um, where it became very people-orientated. He had no choice but to learn communication skills with, like, and just change the lifestyle of what he was living to what we are used to in Canada. But before he was able to open his company, he actually also ended up as a manager for um, the shipping and receiving inside the CN Tower, which is how he had met my mother. You told me that at the beginning, they really did not communicate that well. Exactly. And they were dating for roughly three years, but their English was so minimal that they pretty much stayed in a relationship with the words of hi, bye. That took them several years to be able to, to actually have a full communication, to really get to learn to know each other. When they decided to be together or get married... How did they reconcile the, such a big difference between their cultures, their religions? It was more difficult on my father's side. My mother's side, they were not fully for it. But compared to my father, who comes from a different background where you are to stick to your own culture, my mom had a harder time being accepted by my father's side. My father's side was more strict on, you know, you need a woman who understands our culture and like they're, they're not the right fit. As my dad kept pushing, this is my life. Culture does not mean I can't love who I love. And after my mom stuck around a lot, like she really grew on my dad's side. My dad's family and their side loved my mom to pieces and they wouldn't change it for the world. Like it's just something that now you could say that they're even ashamed for even thinking of it in the first place that she would not be able to accommodate or to be able to fit in. Like those words would never come out of their mouth. Let's talk about you. What, what happened with the languages? What happened with the cultures? Both of us had a very different experience growing up in different cultures. My sister was more adapted, I guess, more adaptive to it. And um, my parents, I guess, they didn't really fully think it through. They're like, you know, she was born in Canada, so obviously she will learn English, but it's important for her to her learn French. They immediately put her into French immersion Um So my sister at school, where you should be learning English, was learning French and then came home to learning Polish and Farsi, not English. To each other, they would continue to speak English until they further learned to develop their English. But they slowly, slowly started to learn each other's language more and more. My sister, she is 100% fluent um, in understanding and speaking in Polish, 100%. Farsi, it's like 80%. How about you? Me was a different story. Um, by the time I was born, their English was 
pretty much down. They started、um, incorporating English more into the family. I can speak both English and Farsi. I am way better again in Polish. My dad was always out working.、Uh, he was not home a lot during that time. My mom would always teach us words in Polish or sing、uh, sing us like songs in Polish or lullabies. I understand more than I can speak. Let's talk about other things. You know, the cultural things, the religion, the traditions. Because, like, on my mom's side, Christmas is like really important. So there was a lot of compromise on holidays, especially when it comes to beliefs. With my mom, like for example, with、uh, Jesus, and then my dad with、uh, Muhammad Rasulullah, they both agreed that at the end of the day, that is their God, and that's that. Nothing can change it for them. If they were, they never fight about who is their God. My mom respects my dad's beliefs to the fullest, as my dad respects my mom's beliefs to the fullest. They don't really talk about it.、Um, So it doesn't really cause conflict. Have there been any difficulties? Honestly, growing up, I've never seen any difficulties between my family. Of、uh, they fully participate in each other's in each other's wants. Who are you? You know, it gets a little confusing.、Um, I get a lot of comments when people ask me what is my background, and I say I'm Persian and Polish. They they look at me and they're like, "Well, how the heck did you happen? So which side do you follow?" Or they're like, are you Muslim or are you Catholic or are you Christian? Like, what are you? I have two sides, and I will not pick a side、um, because I respect both to the fullest. I, like, I'm mixed. I usually say I'm Middle Eastern before I would say I'm Polish, only because I am dark in color. You have never come across anybody that was surprised in any way by this combination. Well, actually, I've had a few people be, like you know they're surprised because they're like. How did people from complete different countries come together, and you know have children where you know their lifestyles, their beliefs, their everything are com- completely contradict each other? I get all the time. Are your parents still together? Like, did that did that actually work? It is who I am. My background, my family, my mixed cultures. Like, that is a huge part of my life. And like for my kids, like in my future, like I want them to know that there's more outside the box. Okay, I want them to know that they have a Persian background, they have a Polish background, and those are two complete opposites, and that's okay. Poland is known not only for its architecture; it's famous for its nature. It has 23 national parks. To compare, Spain, France have only ten each, and Germany fourteen. One of Poland's most interesting national parks is Białowieża, which means White Tower, located in northeastern Poland. The Polish-Belarusian border runs through the forest. The Białowieża forest is Europe's last remaining part of immense primeval forest that once stretched across the European plain. Białowieża is the home of a unique animal, European bison, Europe's heaviest land animal. An adult male can weigh a ton. Białowieża has the world's largest population of the bison, called żubr in Polish. Eight hundred of them. Back in the early 20th century, European bison were hunted to extinction in the wild. The last wild animals were shot in Białowieża forest in 1921. In 1923, it was known that only 54 bison survived in zoos all around the world, none of them in Poland. In 1929, a small herd of four bison was bought by the Polish government from various zoos. The first calf was born the following year. 
The reintroduction proved successful, and in 1939 there were already 16 bison in Białowieża National Park. Beginning in 1951, the European bison have been reintroduced into the wild. Now, the free-ranging herds are found not only in Poland, but in many other countries, including Spain and Denmark. In 1996, the International Union for Conservation of Nature classified the European bison as an endangered species. Its status has since been changed to being a vulnerable species. Białowieża is a gem. Its heavily protected core area has been free of human intervention for almost 800 years. Only scientists can navigate that area freely. Each group of tourists visiting the Białowieża Park is limited to no more than 20 people, and the presence of an official guide is absolutely mandatory. Bison, called in Polish żup, is one of Poland's symbols. It's the name of Polish beer. Very good Polish vodka is called żubrówka, bison vodka. Each bottle contains bison grass from Białowieża, which gives it a herbal flavor. In the last episode, we played this sound, wondering if you recognize it. tourists, Warsaw seems like a normal European town. But when this happens, once a year, many of them are in awe. Every August 1st, at 5 p.m., the city of Warsaw freezes for one minute. In the middle of the summer rush hour, busy people on the streets, traffic, cars, public transportation. The entire city comes to full stop to commemorate the 200,000 Poles, both fighters and civilians, who lost their lives as a result of the Warsaw Uprising during World War II. The Warsaw Uprising started at 5 p.m. on August 1, 1944, and was led by the Polish Home Army, Armia Krajowa, to free the city of Warsaw from Nazi Germany's occupation. It was the biggest rebellion against Germany Nazi occupation during World War II. It's time for our next sound from Poland. Here it is. Listen, think, guess. Where do you need to be in Poland in order to hear this sound? And what is it?
You've been listening to episode 4 of Polcast. Polcast is created, recorded and produced in Toronto by Małgorzata Banikowska and Tomek Kniat. We would like to thank Ola Turkiewicz for the jingles, Michalina Paczyńska for logo design. In our next episode we'll tell you about one man's dream to reverse the Tower of Babel. How the 23rd century engineering and renaissance meet in Toronto. What Poles and Aboriginal people have in common. For full-length interviews, visuals, and a lot of additional information, please visit our website at mypolcast.com. And we'll leave you with a song by Katie Carr. Thank you for listening.